You are now tuned into the James Grace Theory, the number one podcast in the world soon in 2020. Everything you need to know about James Grage and the James Grage Theory you can find on jamesgrage.com. If you need to reach out to us at all, ask at jamesgragetheory.com. You can find us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and wherever podcasts are distributed. How long before you actually have that memorized? Never. You don't think you'll be able to spit mm-hmm. it out like that? You probably don't remember, but Mike probably remembers this one. Mike, remember when McDonald's, when you used to get like the Happy Meal and they had that weird little record? And yes, I said record. Mm. You had to play it on a record player, which is crazy. Because even when we were kids, like record players were on the mm-hmm. way out, like gone. But remember if you memorized the whole thing, like everyone was memorizing this. There's like some sort of big grand prize that McDonald's was giving away, but it sounded just like that. Yeah, that just no. Super dated me I don't right have there. That, like, I said record player. I said record player. I have. I have. Gr- I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I, I feel like let's. Can we start over? Can we start this whole episode no, over? No. We're, we're continuing from where it was, but no, I don't have. I don't really have that um, short term memory. Nope. I do have that long term memory. I can remember everything except for like what happened six minutes ago. That's why I need to write everything down. And prepare You're like but, six minute Sam. Six minutes. I don't even know who that is, but sure. Uh, you watch that. Uh, what was it? Fifty first dates with Adam Sandler mm. and what's her name? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, like yeah. six Very seconds. Warm. Sam. He like every six <laughs> seconds he forgot. <laughs> he started over. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Um, so usually we have no idea what we're talking about, but today it's a very interesting subject for myself as a young entrepreneur uprising business professional um some of these stats that i read about new businesses and the success rate and the failure rate are kind of scary it's kind of discouraging and we always talk about you know people that are too fearful to start something mm-hmm. um well this is one of those cases for me i read these stats and i'm just like i hate losing no matter what i hate losing so for me i'd rather not even play than to go play and then know i'm gonna lose so some of the stats i'm gonna read out well there's just the one that starts out immediately is more than one third um, of businesses today will not survive the next 10 years and we just hit our 10 year anniversary what makes us different here at BPI Sports now what makes us different than the 66% that did not make it 10 years 10 years Wow. Well, okay. This is, uh, I feel like we should take 10 steps back before we answer that question, but I'll dive right into it. I, I think you have to look at what makes businesses fail. And number one out of all of them is not knowing your market Hmm. or not having a market. And so going back to the very beginning of BPI, I believe one of the things that teed us up for success from the get-go is we knew this industry. We knew sports nutrition. We knew the industry. We knew the different players. We had the relationships. And and that's half of it. I think a lot of people going into business are unprepared. They, they either don't know the market. They don't know the nuances of the market. They don't know the pitfalls of the market. Uh, and the learning curve on a lot of these things can be really steep. So you could have a passion for something, but if you don't know enough about it, it's really tough to jump into it with a brand new business. I think the people that I see that are successful starting a business already have some some sort of experience within that that field, whether it was a previous business that they tried that maybe didn't work. A lot right. of entrepreneurs that I know that are successful have previous failures, but from those failures, they learned something from it, extracted something from it, and that really created the foundation for their future success. Right. Uh, but with BPI, I we knew this business and that didn't mean that we were guaranteed success. And I, I think that's another thing that we have to talk about is, you know, okay, failure, what's on the other side failure? Well, that's success. And you have to define what success right. is because just because a business doesn't go out of business doesn't mean it's, it's, it's a success either. Before we kind of get into that. And that, that's kind of where we, this whole episode will kind of take, you know, place in that kind of uh, thinking some of the stats that, that, that I pulled up, um, 80% of entrepreneurs starting a business fail within the first 18 months. This is according to Forbes. Um, so entrepreneur is such a wide, wide thing. Um, but so something that you said about why businesses wouldn't make it understanding your customers and kind of knowing the market. But what if you have no real differentiation in the market? 
Is that like a recipe for failure right there? Well, you're mixing up a bunch of questions all into one. Right, so let's right. go back to the 80%. Right. I, I would have to assume that if that statistic is accurate, that 80% of entrepreneurs fail within how long? 18, 18 months. months. Right. I would say that that means they never even really got started. Because if you go and you look at statistics from say Small Business Administration or the US Census Bureau, uh, based on new businesses that are formed. So taking a real step, say establishing an EIN, a tax number. Out of those businesses, the statistics look a lot different. So the failure rate within the first year for new businesses is only about 20%. So about 80% of the businesses actually- Make it out of their first year. Make it out of their first year. Uh, The statistics that you had about 10 years is accurate. So about 30% roughly or a little over, make it 10 years. Hmm. 70% don't make it that long. Uh, 50% make it to five years. Mm -hmm. It's kind of about 10%. So every year it's another 10% hit. So 80% make it the first year, only 70% make it after two years and so on and so forth. So if a statistic like you were saying is true with entrepreneurs failing within the first 18 months, I would say that, you know, this on this term entrepreneur is kind of, you know, a very loose term. Mm-hmm. I could go and say I'm an entrepreneur and I have a business idea and I'm going to, you know, tackle this new business venture. It doesn't mean I ever actually started the business. Right. I could take those initial steps of getting started in and all that stuff. But the business probably was never actually formed, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And I do think that's an important distinction because there's a lot of people that have the intention of starting a business and they kind of stop or fail before they ever even really get started. Right. So some of the other stats here are, you know, they asked um, companies that, again, Forbes articles, um, 82% experience cash flow problems, mm-hmm. 42% feel that there's an insufficient need for their product or service, mm-hmm. uh, 29% run out of cash. Mm-hmm. 23% uh, didn't have the right team, and 19% were just straight up outcompeted. Now, I would say that's their perception of what the problem is. Hmm. If you go and you look at real statistics on it, usually the biggest one, when you start getting up closer, probably 40 plus percent, uh, I've read statistics that are higher, usually it's a market problem. There's not hmm. a need for their product in the marketplace. Right. Uh, and then close second is cash. And cash is king. And I would say that the the biggest problem with cash is that people don't give themselves what in business we call enough runway. Meaning they're not giving themselves enough time or enough capital to get over the hump. Mm. And sometimes it takes a while to get a business up on its feet. I mean, it can take a couple years. So you got a hundred K for three months, but that's not enough money for that amount of time. If you blow through it in three months and yeah, three months is not enough time. I, I, I see people that talk about e-commerce and Amazon and think that it's going to be some sort of overnight sensation. Amazon and, and direct-to-consumer e-commerce is no different than any other business. Is there and no it, formula for this? Sure, there's a formula, but time is part of it. Right. Time is part of it and money is part of it. So take, you know, someone who wants to jump on Amazon, everyone, you know, the big trend on YouTube right now is, you know, how do I make money on Amazon? Yeah. How do I make a million dollars on Amazon? So let's say you scratch up $5,000. So a lot of people can scratch it up if they use a credit card or whatever. So let's just use that as an example. We want to be conservative because we don't want to go crazy here, but let's say you invest $5,000 and you- Which is a lot of money for anybody. So you go buy a product. Let's say that your total cost on that product is $5. And that's for the product itself, whatever it is. You know, let's say, you know, I mean, look, you can go online, you can go on Alibaba and find, God, I've seen anything like fake Fitbits and- Anything, yep. You name it. So let's say your total cost, packaging, shipping, everything. Let's say it's $5 a unit and you buy a thousand units. So you invest your $5,000. You say, okay, well, I'm gonna sell this really cheap because that's whatever. Fidget spinners. Yeah, fidget spinners. Everyone seems to think that's the key to making money on Amazon is, well, let me just sell it cheaper than everyone else. So, hey, let me just double my money. 50% margin. Let me, let me go ahead and I'm gonna sell this for $10 on Amazon. Make 100% profit or make, you know, 50%. Got a thousand units. Look, if you're lucky, if you're lucky in the very beginning, 
having no reviews, having no real vehicle to promote this unless you're lucky enough to have maybe a really big social media following and big, meaning that only a very small percentage of your audience is ever going to convert. So let's say you're lucky enough to sell those thousand units the first three months. You could look at that and say, okay, well, I doubled my money. I took $5,000 and I turned it into $10,000 over three months. Divide that out. So you made your 1700 bucks a month. You're like, hey, not bad. Made $1,700 a month over the last three months for a $5,000 investment. Didn't really do much. Just plug and play. That would be great, but that's not including the 15% Amazon seller fee. <laughs> so take that, you know, there's your, out of your $5,000 take that 15% out of the $10,000 because the 15% comes out of your total sale. Hmm. So there's $1,500 out of your 5,000. There's a pick and pack fee, which for them to pull it off the shelf, put it in a box and ship it. Let's call that another two or $3 per thousand units. So there's another two to $3,000. So now you're looking at, let's call it, let's just say it's $3,500 out of your $5,000 profit. So now you got $1,500 left. Over three months, you just made $500 a month for three months off your $5,000 investment. Hmm. That doesn't even include any kind of advertising. Just because you put it on Amazon doesn't mean it's gonna sell. There's plenty of products where people put a thousand units in FBA fulfilled by Amazon and it sits there Hmm. and no one ever sees it because it's so super competitive. People think it's as easy, well, hey, let me just find, you know, a category. It's not as easy as if you sell it, they will buy. No, it's not like (laughs) Field of Dreams, build it, they will come. You know, if you're if you're selling something that's hot, a hot item, you do your research and there's a lot of tools out there where you can research and see what's hot on Amazon. You think you're the only one using the tools? No, there's people out there that know the game. They're selling on there. They've got the reviews on there. They know how to play the game. They've got, you know, a higher ranking on their store than you do. You're going to be buried on page 5000 unless you're spending money. So out of that $500 a month that you think you made, that doesn't even include advertising. My point is that's just one product. That's just a thousand dollars or a thousand units. Does it mean you can't make money on Amazon? No, you absolutely can make money. There's people that make a lot of money on Amazon. My point is you're not going to get rich in three months. It takes time and it takes capital. So that's what I mean by not giving themselves enough runway. So if you think you're going to quit your job and take a couple thousand dollars and all of a sudden, you know, pay your rent, you might want to think again. Yeah, Keep your day job. One of the other, uh, here are some of the five reasons why businesses fail. And you're kind of talking about this one, uh, the inability to nail a profitable business model. Would that kind of fall into that? You're thinking, Hey, I'm going to be, you know, creating this Amazon streamline for myself without really thinking of a full business model for yourself. But that's one of the five reasons why let's say a successful business or unsuccessful at that point, they do fail. You got to have a strategy. So, and I, I, even though it's separate, I still lump it into knowing your market. One of the simplest formulas for making money is find a product or a service that enough people need. The more people need it or want it, the more potential money that you're gonna make. The less people or the smaller that niche is, the smaller your audience, the less potential you're gonna make money. So there's a fine line there of finding a niche where there's a big enough audience but being far enough ahead of it where your competition isn't too high, especially in the e-commerce world, because everything is about bidding on keywords, whether you're on Google or whether you're on Amazon, it's one thing to pay, you know, $2 a keyword, but some of these categories get so hot, they're so popular that, I mean, some people are paying $30 a keyword. So that totally changes the game. So you want to be ahead of the, the crowd, but you can't be too far ahead either. You know, that's another problem. If you, you could have the right product. I think we've ran you, into that a few times you, where we, yeah, you could have the right product. It. It's just the wrong time. So timing does play a big factor and you know, timing isn't accidental. You can create good timing for yourself. How much do you think, um, the failure to communicate your 
product message, your brand message fall into the ultimate demise of a business or like not getting that message. We know, you know, for, for a while we had, we had issues here just kind of defining what the BPI meant to us, meant to crowd. But what if people don't understand what you're, the message you're trying to put out there? That that's a, well, I think that's a big one. So look, why do people buy your product or service? Sometimes it's not just about the product or service. It's about the brand itself. You know, is the difference between a name brand white t-shirt that much better quality than a no name? Maybe, you know, it depends on, you know, the type of material or the craftsmanship. But usually the difference is very small. Usually it comes down to the brand Percentages. itself. Percentages, yeah. Uh, so, you know, what does that brand represent? And do people really understand it? You and I could talk about it. Let's say we start a brand new business and we have this whole ethos, who we are, what we represent, why we do what we do. And we can understand that clearly. But if you don't communicate that clearly through everything that you do, then people aren't going to get it. It's not going to resonate with them. And and that's the biggest thing. They have to be able to recognize it and it has to resonate with them. I think the ethos is a, the big part of it, defining your character and kind of sticking to your to what you did. And I, I think we the reason why we're, we've been here for 10 years, we've had kind of stuck to our roots, stuck to the ground and kept on churning. Well, um, and, and consistency is the big thing. So going back to time, time is a big factor in everything. And one of the big things is being consistent over time. And that becomes really difficult. And you see that even with really big brands. Take Apple, for example. Is Apple the same company that they were 10 years ago? And the answer is no, they're not. They've totally changed. Like Apple went from more of an idea to now it's just about technology. Mm -hmm. Like if you would have asked Steve Jobs, I think he would have said, we're not a technology company. Now mm -hmm. they're 100% a technology company. It used to be a lifestyle brand. You felt it to be a part of your life. It was a part of the popular culture. You know, we and, and that's what leadership is, is maintaining that, right? Having that, that brand identity and then being consistent with that over a long period of time because that's why people like your brand. And when you change that, a lot of times you get you lose consumers along the way and you walked right into my number five reason why um businesses fail leadership breakdown at the top mm -hmm. how important do you think that is to i mean obviously it's super important but well, it's everything do you think that's just the all right there with well, it's the, everything i mean you could have an all-star team it's just like sports you have the best team in the world the best talent but if as a leader you're not giving clear direction if if they don't if there's not a vision to be able buy into something to be excited about where everyone can rally around that idea then then talent doesn't matter hmm. so yeah it absolutely comes down to leadership and over time that morphs with a company so bpi looks a whole lot different now than it did 10 years ago 10 years ago you know it was myself and my business partner and it was our ideas and our leadership compared to now where we've got a team. Mm -hmm. We've got a team and we've got a management team and where you've got a lot of people that believe in the same thing and are giving that direction and giving that leadership. So it looks different over time, but it's it's creating that culture. How important is making people believe in your vision? Like, let's say you have to make some believers. Do you think that's an important part of getting a business to not only start from the beginning, but to kind of get it to a successful level? Well, yeah, I believers. mean, look, it's 100 percent. Go back to the, comparing it to sports again if you had this all-star team and if you're the head coach and you got your playbook but none of your players believe in your playbook how successful do you think you're going to be everyone's got to buy into the vision and say hey i like what we're doing so they can all work towards that same thing and that's what makes building a business really cool is when you combine all this all these resources, and when I say resources, what I'm really talking about is, is mind power and passion all directed towards the same goal to make something come to mm -hmm. life. That's a really awesome thing. You know, it's one thing to do something by yourself, but it's really difficult to create something awesome all by yourself. You need the help of other people and everyone has to be working toward that same goal. Otherwise it's disjointed and you're working in different directions and it's, it's never going to be what you want it to be at that point. So everyone has to be, you know, has to be focused on that exact same goal and working toward it. 
What do you think of this term um, startup? Like, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, because any company can be a startup. You're just starting up. I think it gives people like me, uh, the millennial crowd, gives us a reason to fail. Not a reason to fail, but almost take it as a, a cushion. Like, hey, it's, it's just a startup. You know what I mean? Hey, 80% chance I'm going to fail anyway. It's just a startup, bro. And, you know, my brother, you know, he's a tech guy. Mm. He's been a part of three or four startups. How do those startups become more than just a startup, but like maybe a keep going, you know? <laughs> it's, it's going back to everything that we just talked about. It's one, making sure that you've done your market research, mm-hmm. that there's a need for your product or service. It's making sure that you know enough about that niche to be successful. You're not gonna avoid all the mistakes, impossible. You're always gonna have things that are thrown at you. You're gonna have hurdles. That's just part of it. That's part of life. Uh, but you have to at least have a good idea of what you're getting yourself into and know the market well enough to know some of those subtleties mm-hmm. so you can set yourself apart. Otherwise, you're going to look just like everybody else. Your product's going to look the same or your service is going to look the same. So you've got to understand it well enough to figure out what is your point of differentiation. You've, I'm not even reading in my top five list and you're going through it. It's know your, know your market differentiation, failure to communicate like I would, message. I would, I would compare it to like, I don't know anything about wine. You could put a $2 bottle that you got at Walmart next to a $2,000 bottle. Who knows? I might actually like the Walmart one better. I don't know anything about wine, but someone who really knows wine, they can pick up on things that I can't pick up on. They can pick up on, you know, all those undertones and all that type of soil, all that, all that wine talk, right? I'm not that tuned into wine to know it. You're it's not the, the refined. Same, yeah, refined or look, it's it's just knowing something. Right. And having if, the knowledge if for it. You like sports. How many times have I really tried to get into a debate with you about sports? Not really, not too much. Because I don't I don't know it as in depth as you do. Right, right, right. So, you know, it's kind of pointless. You're going into a battle without the proper equipment. Exactly. So it's the same thing with business. You have to Hmm. invest the time and energy into knowing your market and knowing, like I said, knowing those nuances and understanding those subtleties. Hmm. Uh, And I think with the startup thing, like you said, it's so easy to go in half cocked. Like, well, it's only a startup. You know, I might fail. I might succeed without being committed enough to go ahead and do your research. And I think that's just a a byproduct of technology and it is a bit of a generational thing, not having to commit. Like I'll give you an example. Man, this is dating me again, so I this kind of pains me, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm gonna go there anyway. When I was in school, didn't have the internet. Crazy. I didn't have the internet when I didn't so, see you're, you're talking so, about 2000. So, so did yeah, in college at least. Yeah, that's true. So with without the internet, you actually had to go to the library. But before that, I mean, if you want to learn something, you had to be really committed to this idea because it's it was going to take work. It's going to take work to go research it. Now, like whatever whim I have, whatever question I have. seconds, I can Google it and I've got the answer for it. I don't have to be committed to it. And it's too easy to just dabble in things. And I think that that's what I see a lot right now is people dabbling in stuff and they're not committed enough. So I would say that it goes back to any other goal. The commitment's got to come first. Like we've talked in the past, I've got that, you know, V diagram and that turning point that, you know, at the bottom of that V and that's what shoots you off in the other direction. So I it's called the turning point is the commitment. Like you got to commit to something first. And that's what I don't see as much of is people being kind of uncommittal to things. And so it's too easy with something being a startup, like you said, to not be that committed to it. Me, if I'm going to invest my time and my energy and my money into something, I'm 100% committed. Like I'm in it to win it. You can kick me, knock me down, shit on me. I'm still going to get back up and I'm going to keep on going. But that's true commitment. Yeah. I don't know if after getting shit on, I don't know how much I'm further I'm going but no it's it it is funny because you know um, like my brother example he's a UI UX designer he's worked for for three startups and each one of them you know and to me I was kind of naive about the startup but he's like you know somebody just invested a bunch of money for us to do a bunch of work but they don't even care if it's 
Like he didn't. There was no. There was no clear victory or loss for them. Like he's well, like I, I. don't. They don't really care if we. If we you know accomplish anything, we're just a app creating website. You know. Well, there's also there was a period in time where you had a lot of investors coming in and bringing money into something. I. And they were even haphazard, you know, mm-hmm. so angel investors, et cetera, they were haphazard and they were throwing money left and right. I think that was part of the problem, especially when you're building a business and it's not your money. You act differently. Oh, absolutely. You act differently and make different decisions when it's your money. You could tell when you walked into their office, they didn't give a, the top guy. I was like, who's, who the hell, you know who's in charge when, <laughs> you know. So, so that would be one Nobody of my knows best, who's in charge. The best advice I could ever give anybody. I don't care what kind of business you're starting knowing that going back to one of the problems I talked about is not giving yourself enough runway, meaning not giving yourself enough time and time and money are tied together because if you run out of money, you've run out of time, right? Mm -hmm. Time's up, you're done. So to give yourself enough runway, going back to, let's say you had $100,000 like you were talking about, instead of blowing in three months, how do I make $100,000? How do I stretch that over at least a year or two years, how do I give myself enough runway to succeed? How do I give myself enough time, that opportunity to work through all those problems, to, you know, to work out the kinks, to build a bit of a market, to build a bit of a foundation, you need time. So my best advice to anyone is start super humble. Don't let your ego get in the way. I've seen so many businesses where right off the bat, they go get the, they lease the cool office building and they put an awesome logo on the wall and they hire a receptionist and so much of it is driven by ego they they want it to look cool like i want to be an entrepreneur and i want the whole image of being an entrepreneur but let me tell you dude we started BPI, we were in the warehouse ourselves, packing sample boxes, answering the phones. I didn't take a salary for, I don't even know, it seemed like six months. You know, oh, that's another thing. I would say going back to success, defining failure versus success, because there's a big difference between your business staying in business. People say, well, business fails, you know, 20% fail after the first year. Well, you could still be in business, but it doesn't mean it's a success either. To me, I define a success as being able to pay your bills or pay yourself. And so I was looking at some stats on, on salaries for entrepreneurs. And there's a huge chunk that don't even pay themselves a salary. They'll take what they can get out of a business when they can get it, but the average salary they say is about $70,000 a year. So for everyone has in their their head that I'm gonna be an entrepreneur and I'm gonna go make millions of dollars, I mean, that is a very, very small percentage I think being of the businesses. I think just tailoring that expectation, being a little humble in your first couple of years, knowing that, God, you're lucky if you make a profit on something. You could go get, you could go take a job for someone else and definitely make more money probably your first two years. Absolutely. I think that that's a lot of people. That's a lot of reason why people will get, we'll get into this a little bit more, but you're, we're talking about people maybe too scared. I think people are just too or not willing to make the sacrifice. Exactly. So, um, what, so what if you're, what if you're someone who really knows your business? Like I say, and I think that's one of the requirements, know your industry really well. So let's say you've got five years in an industry whatever you're selling, you know, some sort of technology, you're making a good salary, you're making six figures a year, you work yourself yourself up to that, you started at $40,000 a year, now you're making 100 grand a year. You know the business, you see the ins and outs, you built some relationships, you say if I can do it for someone else, I can do it for myself. So what stops people from going out and starting their own business? Let's say they even saved up a little nest egg and they got the cash. What's stopping them? Well, it's that. You're not gonna make your $100,000 a year for the first couple of years. You're gonna have to make a sacrifice in order to build it up. And that's one of the biggest things. Whatever you wanna do in life, everything requires sacrifices. Like for me, when I decided to move away from all my family and friends, move out of California and move out here to Florida, which I felt was a necessary step for me. It was, it was almost a, a form of commitment in itself. Let me just break out of my comfort zone in every way, shape or form. And let me totally immerse myself in establishing my career. That was a major sacrifice. So whatever your sacrifice is, you're gonna have to make something. Like for me, same thing with fitness. 
if you want to be in awesome shape, you want to get ripped and shredded and just have like crazy six pack or you want to compete, you're not going to be hanging out with your friends eating chicken wings and drinking beer. Sacrifice bread. Sacrifice bread, right? There's always sacrifices. And so if you know your industry and you're making a good salary, there's a reason why a lot of people, a lot of business professionals never venture off into entrepreneurship. Right. Um, expanding too fast. Mm-hmm. Could that be a detriment to a business? I've seen, I think, way too many companies that probably just bit off a little more than they could chew. And well, just- that that goes a lot of it goes back to what we talked about the runway part. Right. So taking on too much too fast and, you know, especially let's say that you get a little bit of initial success and you think, hey, this is this is awesome. We're totally going to blow up here. So you bring on five new people and you bring, you know, a bigger building. Now, all of a sudden you have all this overhead. Right. And now you feel that pressure. You've got more people to pay. you got more rent to pay. And that's an overhead that you've got to bring in that cash. And now you can't afford to have a bad month. And so that's the biggest thing. You've got to be able to weather the storms. And that's that's why I say it takes a couple years where you have a good enough foundation, a strong enough foundation where you can weather those storms a little bit easier. So in the first couple of years, you have to be really cautious. And it's my my advice to people to run as lean as you can. Don't take on any unnecessary expenses. Don't do it unless you absolutely need it. Don't do it because you want to. Don't do it because of your ego. Don't do it because it looks cool. Do it because you absolutely need to do it to go on to that next step, to take your business to that next level, that without doing it, you're hindering the business. That's when you make that move. I think I already know your answer to this next question, but when starting, let's say you were giving some money, you were investing in an entrepreneur, would you rather this entrepreneur have a lot of enthusiasm or a lot of execution skills? Execution skills all, all day long. No, you don't care about the enthusiasm at uh, all? You know what? I mean, look, I've, how many people have you met that have a million ideas and they're super enthusiastic about it? My thing is, great, go do something about right, it. Right. So go take steps. Because right. that's that's all building a business is. That's all building is in general. Matter of fact, uh, this new YouTube series, that's why it's called Build. And that's what it's all about is building. How do you build anything? How do you build a brick wall? How do you build a house? How do you build a business? It's all execution. It's one step at a time. Could having the wrong partner, we discussed this a little bit earlier, but how important is having the right partner next to you kind of doing all these things? I think BPI is a great example of a partnership that worked really well Mm -hmm. to a successful 10-year company. So having personal experience with it, is that a very important part to making a, a company successful? I mean, very rarely do you see just a single hero of a company, you know, like maybe like Elon yeah. Musk, who you can't even but, measure his success but, really. But, but even... But even he surrounded himself with other people in the very beginning. Right. It's different. You had like Steve Jobs with Wojnowski or whatever his name was. Yeah. No, you're always going to need help. You're never going to be able to do this by yourself. No one knows everything. And you're never going to be that proficient in everything. And so when it comes to partnership, ideally you find someone who complements your weaknesses. And your strengths complement their weaknesses. That's the ideal partnership. Right. And if it's not in a partnership, then it's got to be in team members. you got to find other people who have those strengths. Uh, You know, it's old Henry Ford saying that you don't have to be the smartest, smartest person in the room. You just have to surround yourself with the smartest people. Do you suggest someone, a young entrepreneur, maybe join an advisory board or a peer advisory board that they can can kind of tosses ideas with, you know, friends and, you know, like-minded individuals. Well, you, de- you definitely see that uh, with mastermind groups now, right. especially in the e-commerce world. That's a really popular right. thing right now. Right. Absolutely. People joining mastermind groups and really just learning the ins and outs and people bouncing ideas. I think it's cool. I, look, I think they would be foolish to think that everyone's going to give up all their secrets. Right. Especially if you're sitting in a room with people that, you know, are potentially going to be your competitors. Yeah. You're you're, see, that's why I'm paranoid about all that stuff. But I mean, look at it, you know, same thing here. We, we talk about a lot of things that are business philosophies that have helped build BPI and I openly share it. 
Uh, because I know that it's not so much about the information, it's about execution. And nobody's going to execute it. <laughs> a lot of people don't. It's We talked about it last week with fitness plans. People not reaching the fitness goals isn't due to a lack of information. The information is out there. It's readily available. It's just your willingness to go ahead and, and do what you need to do to get it done, right? Make the sacrifices, make the commitment, be focused, be consistent, put the amount of hard work in, all those things. So... Yeah, I mean, I can share everything that I'm doing and say, hey, you know what? If you're willing to put in the work, then, hey, you know, the world is big enough. There's you know, there's more than enough to go around. Let me ask you. So now, you know, a young 23, 24 year old listening to this podcast, thinking about starting a T-shirt business. I'll take mm-hmm. me five, six years ago. Um, and, you know, I consider you to be one of my mentors. When do you, and I know I wouldn't even, even if I had a business idea, I just know you, I wouldn't even approach it unless I had everything kind of mapped out to the point where, you know, this is what I'm going to do for the next year, whatever. But what is, what's some advice you can give to someone that has a mentor on how they can approach them to kind of like help them with the business or, you know, whatever like that. Like, let's say, Hey James, I come, I want to start a t-shirt business. Mm-hmm. What is, what's some of the advice you would give me? You know, how, how would I approach you as a, as a mentor to ask for your help? I, uh, you know, it's funny. It's, it's one of those things. Where do you start with a business? I, I think that the biggest thing that has helped me is always reminding myself why I do it because you're inevitably going to have hard times in business. There's going to be those periods where you question yourself, doubt yourself, or feel frustrated or feel knocked down. Like you just experienced a bunch of setbacks and you have to keep driving forward. And so whatever it is that's motivating you to do that, you got to be really clear on that. So for me, that's kind of the biggest thing is, is starting with your core, going back to the like very center of it. And then I believe that it's the ripple effect. Everything ripples out from that. So if you want to start a a t-shirt company, an apparel company, well, okay, what is it about you or your business that makes it different than every other apparel company out there? And that goes back to your reason why. And it's just like, if you can really solidify that core, Mm -hmm. that is the foundation for everything. Right. So getting a clear message. And that's, that's one thing that I see people missing. They, they get on the outskirts, right? They, they get caught up in the peripheral part. Well, I want to have an apparel company and I want it to look cool and I want this and I want to sell it here. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, what, what is it about this? that's going to make people want it. And usually it boils down to in the very beginning, it boils down to you. There's this vision that you have, the something that creates this spark for you. It's, you know, whatever it is about this apparel company that gets you excited. If you can hone in on that, really lock into that, define that and then communicate that broadcast that out there clearly. Then the world is a big enough place and it's diverse enough that you're likely to attract other people that are just like you. And to me, that's what a brand represents. Like when you think of a logo and branding, Mm -hmm. that's what it represents to me is, and I said this before, it's like your flag. You fly that flag, people recognize that and say, hey, that's cool. I I relate to that, I I identify with that. I wanna be a part of it. That's awesome. That's a great thing about social media because you do see these communities grow, especially in the fitness community. You see these trends and certain things that people really stick to, but then you see the bullshit fad stuff too that people stick to, and then it goes away for a while. Have you seen any um, company startup or a personal friend or something that started a business? It was a great idea, but they were overly confident in it and then it failed. You know, it's funny. There's, I see failures come in two general forms. One is a lack of confidence. Like we talked about in the very beginning, they get caught up in all these statistics, all the things that can go wrong. They get scared and you know, they quit before they ever really got started. And then on the flip side, I definitely see overconfidence, overconfidence in what they think the market is. Think, oh, this product is awesome. I love it. Therefore, everybody else is going to love it. There's this huge need. 
but again, that usually goes back to not doing their homework and not doing their research. But yeah, I see overconfidence all the time. People thinking I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to become an overnight sensation millionaire. And then you bump into them six months later. You say, Hey, what happened to it? Uh, you know, it really didn't work out. It, you know, it was this or it was that, or, you know, whatever reason they have. And a lot of times, whatever reason they think it was probably isn't even the real reason. This year, 400,000 new businesses will start up. Mm-hmm. How many do you think will die? Probably close to an equal amount, maybe a little bit less. I think right now they say there's more businesses opening than closing, but every year. They say 470,000 are dying. While 400 of <laughs> you are starting, 470,000 of them are dying. So more are dying than, than coming in. Yeah. It's well, like, I mean, look, and there's always different reasons, too. There's That's what's uh, happening in China, too, by the way. Yeah. They're making well, enough I mean, babies. So. Well, and again, those aren't startups, though. So there's a difference between a brand new business and an established company that's that's closing and companies close all the time. I mean, look, there's businesses that close because someone retires. There's businesses that close because something happened. There's, you know, something happened in their family or an illness or an injury or whatever. So there's, there's also personal reasons why businesses fail, not just business reasons. I saw that when, when I was back in Poland with my mom, we were walking through her old town, still same people 30, 40 years later in the same little shops and stuff. But then you see all the the modern, you know, the next to a subway or something. And it's just weird for her to see it because she's like, hey, I used to walk, you know, you say hi to every person that walked by. And then this one guy has a shoe repair shop that he's holding on to for 40 years. Mm. So it's kind of cool to see that in those well, olden towns. Well, you know, look, you and I talk about business a lot. And I'm the type of person who's going to encourage people to go out there despite the risk. Go out there and do it. Don't let fear hold you back. You know, if there's something you want to do, something you're passionate about, then then do it. Life is way too short. You're never at the end of your life. You're never going to reflect back and regret trying to do some of the things that you wanted to do. But you'll absolutely probably regret not trying. So I'm a big believer in it. But I also believe that it's important to be real and say paint an accurate picture of what it's like so you can prepare yourself. You, You asked me before, you said, well. How do you prepare for all the things that are going to come? And I told you, you can't prepare for everything because you're going to be blindsided by things that you never saw coming. But what you can prepare for is that something's coming and toughen up, toughen the fuck up, because when this stuff happens, you can't buckle. You can't cry about it. You can't whine about it. You just pull it up. Yeah. You know, you pull yourself up. You learn from it, say, okay, what happened? Take all your ego out of it, all the personal feelings out of it, learn something from it, extract something, and it's gonna make you better, make you smarter, and that's how you ultimately succeed. So the best thing is just prepare for it, and that's what having a conversation like this, I think, can help someone with is just, a bit of a dose of reality. Like it's not easy. You're not going to go out there and just instantaneously become a, you know, Amazon gazillionaire or an e-commerce gazillionaire. Business is tough. I don't care if it's in the form of e-commerce or if you want to open a store or a restaurant, which by the way, restaurant statistics aren't as bad as people think. They're about the same as every other business. I thought it was. It was like 90% of first year restaurants or restaurants that start. It's the same as any other business. Is it? And you know, what's interesting about these statistics, they're not just now, They've been pretty consistent over the past 30 years. Have they? Oh, that's Mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, Just a couple other things of some of the things to do to be a successful bit. Like you're saying, prepare to fail. Another one I saw, focus on your customer. I think Mm. that's one that people really, like you said, an ego might trip. You might think you know everything about it. But if you're not listening to your customer, having that deep dialogue with them, which we have about four or five people in this office right now, that their only job is to speak, find out what customers think. And to to listen. And to listen. Exactly. I think that's the number one part people forget. That's the advantage I feel that we have today with social media, with, you know, even with uh, digital advertising, you're able to get quicker insights and look there's this fine line between I don't ever want to be in a position where I feel like I'm just selling a product just because there's a need Mm. right oh you know wow people are buying that okay let me go make that too that's not interesting to me 
there's a lot of businesses that really succeed on with that, right? They're kind of like a me too company. If they see it, they're going to jump on the bandwagon and there's the ones that succeed, figure out a way to do it better, faster or cheaper, More what, streamlined. That's, whatever that's their angle up, is. For sure. That's not that exciting to me. I like to be on the cutting edge of stuff. Mm. That's more fun. And there's that fine line, like I said, it's being early before most people, but not being too early. And that's being fashionably early. And that's what makes it exciting right. is paving the way and seeing if you can carve out a new path. We've talked about that before. There's not just one path to the top of the mountain. Yes, you can take the established path that everyone else has gone, but you're also going to be hiking behind a thousand other people. I'd rather climb up the backside of the mountain where no one's ever climbed before. A little harder. It's a little harder or a lot harder, but it's also a lot more exciting. And it's a lot more worth it, I think, at the end. A lot more rewarding. Mm -hmm. So that that's a big one right there is uh, you know, finding your own path. And I think that's an important one. When it comes to differentiating yourself, don't just do it the way everybody else has done it. Figure out a way to make it not only unique, but make it unique to you. Yeah. You are the sure. core of your own business in the beginning. I think this is all great. So one thing I'm going to get back to, I think we're done for, for this episode, but I want to get back to a couple of weeks ago when you were on a phone call mm -hmm. and we can play that right now. We've got 15 minutes left. So if you want to kind of introduce that, we can let that the rest of the podcast be with our buddy who you had a phone call with because mm -hmm. his wife reached out to you an awesome story randomly one day you were checking your email he sent mm -hmm. me a text message like hey this guy's wife just sent me the, the coolest message and i'd like to do something for him and i think yep. the next day we took a phone call with him give us a little preview of that yeah so i got an email it was a random one actually i almost slipped through the cracks uh you know, usually with my business email, I don't, I don't see, uh, many personal emails. I, she reached out and she said that her husband, who is a firefighter was a great husband, a great father, someone who just gave selflessly, uh, to other people. And he'd been used listening to my, or watching my YouTube channel and that he was really thinking about taking his fitness to the next level, trying to give himself a reason why to push himself, you know, challenge himself. Yeah, he saw that mission shred, uh, series and he was like, damn, that was, that was cool. I'd like to take that journey. So she wanted to do something cool for him since mm -hmm. he was a good husband and good father. She wanted to do something for him and support him and his goals. And so she reached out and said, Hey, he wants to compete, you know, it'd be cool if you could maybe reach out to him, give him a little bit of encouragement. And uh, I said, sure, no problem. That's cool. I said, but one condition, let's surprise him. And so we coordinated it and didn't just call him, FaceTimed him, <laughs> which was pretty cool because I, you know, as soon as, as soon as he popped up, he was like, oh, shit. Yeah, he, he was shocked. And, yeah, and was that cool. was cool. And, and that's, uh, that's the stuff that's rewarding. I wish I had more time for stuff like that, right. truthfully, because that- We'll make some time. We'll make once a month where we can call, reach out to someone. Yeah, that charges you up and it reminds you of, of why you do what you do. So, you know, so for me, sharing information, fitness information, I, you know, fitness has been such a huge part of my life and created that foundation for my success. I always say that what I learned through fitness, the disciplines, I really were the cornerstone for all my success in life. Mm. And so that's why I enjoy sharing those things with other people. And so that was just one of those opportunities just to pay it forward. And, and who knows where it goes from here with him, you know, maybe it, you know, it's a competition and, and who knows, it's like the, the program we did with muscle and fitness where we did the 60 days to oh, fit. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Had some people like Corey, uh, one of the guys who did it. Yep. Danielle. Yeah. Joe. Corey ended up working in the oil feed oil fields and then ended up opening up his own nutrition company yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, for sure. totally it was his pivotal point in his life. And so I look back on that and I think, wow, that was such a cool thing that it, it influenced you know, him and his life in such a positive way. And that's crazy. I mean, it's really I, the reason you do this. I think, I mean, I, I everything else, Hey, the money's cool, the cool cars, the nice, well, nice house well and all, but that's my currency. Yeah. That's what, that was get That's what turns that's you on. My think, currency yeah. is, you know, that's, I mean, look, you can't buy that. So you could have all the money in the world, but you can't buy that kind of feeling for sure. And so, yeah, that's a pretty powerful currency right and we there. We always appreciate it. So with that, I hope you guys really enjoy this call. What's up, buddy? What's going on? What's up, James? How are you? Good. How you doing, man? Good, man. So what'd your wife tell you? How'd she set you up? I don't know. 
she just like just be home, be back from the gym at nine o'clock. I'm like, all right. And then I thought it was just like my aunt or something I haven't talked to in a while. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I'll tell you what, man, you got a good woman. She uh she reached out to me. She sent me an email. She told me that you were uh, thinking about competing. And she's like, man, she's like, this guy does everything for us. You know, he's a good dude. She's like, I just want to do something to support him. Should I be really cool if you could call him? You know, he's thinking about competing, maybe give him some advice. So you got a solid lady right there. Absolutely, man. Yeah, she's definitely supportive. That's, I love her very much. That's cool. So you think about competing? Yeah. Um got a local gym around here um and the guy who owns the gym he's been competing since 2012 um a lot of guys recommended me to him um i'm a firefighter paramedic and he used to be uh he gave it up to you know coach and train um and he's like you know we'll get you eating a lot try to get you bigger and try to get you into a men's physique by you know next spring yeah Right, I just did my meal prep and trying to eat all this food that he's got me on. Yeah, that's the hard part. The train's the easy part. The food's yeah. the, the food's the part that you got to be really disciplined about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, that's my best advice too. Is I, uh, you know, look, competing is an extreme. There's no way around it, right? You're trying to get like this extreme peak condition, and so it kind of requires a. Uh, a certain mindset where you you have to recognize that every training session counts, every meal counts, like everything counts. And I think that's why a lot of people stumble is they're more focused on that end goal and they see all the meals and all the training sessions as just some sort of obstacle in between them and their goal. And you got to look at the other way. You say, okay, the goal, that's what I'm aiming towards. But right now I'm going to focus on meal by meal training session by training session and I'm going to, you know, maximize every single one of them. Like every workout needs to be your best workout. And that's really how you kind of push yourself to that that next level cuz your body adapts, right? Over time, but it just happens like such small tiny little steps. And so it's just like and then you add all those up. It's the sum of the parts. Yeah. But, you know, it's like if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you always got, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yep. I just know the big things like consistency and stuff. And I mean, I'm, I've been pretty good with it. I just always, because I was, I was heavy when I was younger. So I got into this like, you know, three years ago, four years ago, and I lost all that weight. And when he puts me on this diet that has all these, you know, calories, carbs, and all this stuff, I mean, it's clean food. I understand that. Yeah. But like, oh man, I worked so hard to get all that, you know, that belly weight off and everything. And, and I was. I was happy about my physique. Of course, you know, you want to be bigger, but, um, you know, just, he's like, just say goodbye to your abs for a while. I'm like, all right, you know, I, you know, I worked hard to keep this lean physique for a while and, and now it's going to, you know, kind of go backwards, but be, you know, gaining positive in the same, but you know. Well, if, you, if you're training hard though, if you're training hard, then you're going to be, your body's going to be utilizing a lot of those calories. Look, just keep the calories clean, right? It's cool to eat lots of calories. You just want to make sure that they're clean calories. And I think that's the biggest mistake I see people make is, you know, in the desperation to hit their caloric intake, they start eating dirty calories, Yeah. right? And you know, that's where I used to see people eating like, you know, spoonfuls of peanut butter and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's great. It's, you know, calorically dense food but it's also going to make you fat too. And then it's like a yo-yo. How much extra body fat do you want to put on in an attempt to put on lean muscle only to turn around and have to shed all that fat again to reveal all the muscle? So it's like instead of like this big, you know, roller coaster, this yo-yo, just keep the calories. Yeah, you need a surplus of calories to build muscle, but don't go overboard either. Right. Because then you're going to have to work twice as hard to shed off the fat at the end. And it's like, did you really gain anything at that point? Was was there a point of adding all that body fat? And usually the answer is no. It's like you got to be patient, right? You're going to be ready when you're ready. And it's important to set a goal for yourself. But you can't you can only put on so much lean muscle so fast. Exactly. I mean, look, it's just that's that's the the nature of it. So I think that it's important to set a goal and say, hey, you know, I'm looking at doing something this time, same time next year. And then all you can do is work as hard as you can, see where you're at next year and and say, okay, look, I think I'm ready to, you know, take that next step. But a lot of people are just always in such a hurry. 
and you know they're trying to they're trying to rush the process and you know it's it's a game of patience and it's a game of consistency like you said all right yeah because i'm definitely trying to do it naturally you know i don't want to be you know messing around with drugs or anything you know i just kind of you know just trying to do it just based on hard work and like you said like i know it's a long process just to put on just a little bit of muscle and over a little long period of time and you know and i, I like that i like the goal you know i like the the process i like the you know because I mean, I, I love going to the gym every day, and I know that, you know, if I eat something that I'm not supposed to or, uh, you know, work out as hard as I can, I know there's somebody else who's striving for the same goal that's sticking to their diet dead on, that's sticking to their, you know, that's that's like my motivation in a sense. Yeah, that's – that's a good. That's what makes it fun, and I think they look. You know, and you were talking about a lot of the guys that are putting a bunch of shit in their body. I think that's what they lose in that process, is they lose that sense of competitiveness of my best versus your best, right? Then it becomes a game of my artificially enhanced best versus your artificially enhanced best, and that just doesn't have the same kind of motivation in it. It just becomes all about the end result, not the process, like you said. But if you always enjoy the process, that's what makes it fun. Right. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. absolutely. That's cool, man. Yeah, dude. So, it's just, I mean, I just want to, you know, I've been doing like this, sticking with this diet, you know, my family's always asking, when's your next cheat date, all this and that. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, not sold this or whatever. And um, I just, I'm like, what am I doing this for? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it for you know, to be disciplined and just to have, you know, just like a strong work ethic in general. But I'm like, you know, let's put it towards like a goal of some sort, you know, that, you know, that I have an end goal to, you know, not that you'll always reach your goal. You always want to keep getting better and better and better. You never, you're never satisfied, but just kind of like, you know what, let's do a show. Let's, you know, what am I doing all this for other than, you know, you know, just, you know, self-health and stuff like that. So. No, it's cool to have, I mean, look, especially to push yourself to that next level test yourself and that's kind of what it is right it's a test and i think if you stay focused on that that i think you hit the nail on the head it's all about self-discipline i mean that's what it always meant to me it was a form of self-mastery right that if i can have that control over myself that i can stay structured i can stay disciplined that that became like a cornerstone for my discipline with everything in my life and it was a way of testing myself like if you're into martial arts right it's the same thing it's about self-mastery and you know about kind of building to that next level and there's always a cornerstone there's always a foundation so so working out and all that was always my foundation even in business working out is my foundation if if I come unraveled with my fitness, it seems like everything else starts to, you know, starts to crumble as well. So that's one of my motivations for always staying on top of it, even when I don't have a very specific goal. It's, you know, I do it just because it's, it's part of who I am now. Right, right. I mean, look, we have to, you know, we have to have structure. We all crave structure. Other people, you know, crave a, a different amount. But if you're trying to challenge yourself and you're trying to grow, it's a great way to do it. And like you said, yeah, you got to have sometimes a bigger goal to motivate yourself to push yourself that much harder. Otherwise, why? You, otherwise, why are you doing it, right? Right, right, right. Look, because everything, you know, it's going to require giving, you know, sacrificing some things. And so, look, you're in the same situation as me. You're a husband. You're a father. Those are things that you're not willing to sacrifice. You're never going to give that up or take time away from that. So that means it's going to come away from other things. You got your career. You can't take time away from that, especially since that provides for your family. So that means all those extracurricular things that you like to do are going to take a little bit of a hit in the process of pursuing this goal. So if you're going to make that extra sacrifice and you're not going to be able to hang out with your friends or do all those things or go eat, you know, ribs or whatever, there's got to be a good reason for doing it. You got to have some a goal that inspires you and motivates you. Right, right. I know. I mean, I just think about, you know, like, all right, well, you know, like things are going to change. Like, and, and I had a hard time going out with my friends, you know, ever since I started dining. Um, and they just knew that, you know, I wasn't going to eat, you know, the way they were going to. And it kind of made them uncomfortable in a sense. But they got, you know, they got used to it and whatever. I'm just like, all right, well, now I'm going to be going into the winter where Christmas and all that stuff like that. And, of course, you know, we're going to be going over family's house with cookies and great meals and stuff. I'm like, yeah. when Jim was prepping for that show, he was eating clean on, on, on the holidays. I'm like, 
I know that it can be done. You know, I remember those videos. So, I mean. No, it definitely can be done. And you know what? You just have to embrace it as kind of like a, a challenge. You know, it's a, you can still celebrate with the family. That's the most important thing about the holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving. It's not about the food. People make it about the food, but it's not. It's about being around your family and enjoying, exactly. enjoying your time with them. And look, you know, the good thing is turkey. White turkey meat, hey, that's lean protein right there. Yeah. You know, there's – so it's not like, you know, it's all bad. It's just staying away from all the desserts and the gravy and everything else. But, you know, it didn't bother me at all. I, sure. I wasn't even phased by it. There's always going to be another Christmas, another Thanksgiving where that's I can eat exactly pie. That's right. exactly right. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, I just wanted to give you a shout and, uh, you know, look, if, I, if you ever have questions about the meal prep or need a little encouragement, <laughs> just hit me up. Dude, absolutely. This is this is fantastic that you reached out to me. I, I truly appreciate it. And I know you're a busy man, and, and this is cool, you know. And, and I really appreciate you, you know, reaching out, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank your wife. She's uh, she she hunted me down, and so yeah. But sure. I, lo- I I say subscribe to all your YouTube videos. I love watching you, and I learn a lot. I really do. So cool, man. Cool. Well, I've got some new stuff coming out. I've been lately, uh, you know, I took a little bit of a break from a lot of the content, but I brought the podcast back. So we do those on Tuesdays. Uh, so we go live on IG stories on Tuesdays with the podcast and then they go up on iTunes the next day. So I've been doing that, but I'm going to get back into uh, YouTube here. I got some ideas churning for kind of that next, my next goal. I'm always looking for my next goal too. Absolutely. But uh, I love watching your videos, so keep those going for sure, man. Cool, man. Well, I know you got to uh, get ready, get ready for work. So uh, it's good talking, man. All the best of luck with the goals. And like I said, hit me up if you ever have questions. Absolutely. Thanks so much, James. I really appreciate you reaching out, man. All right, man. You take care. All right. Take care. Later.